After the shepherds depart the scene, well, Mary and Joseph continue being exactly the kind of parents you would want your Messiah to have. They do all the paperwork required. They get him on the insurance, which is hard. You've got to call him forever. Take him for his first checkups, you know, the regular stuff. Babies are like a little bureaucracy test in the first little stage. Some of the regular stuff includes taking Jesus to be presented in the temple, a requirement of all firstborn sons according to the law of Moses. So they take him to the temple, and along the way they meet two elders who, again, well, share in, let's just call, call it the musical interpretation of the Gospel of Luke. So listen. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, To do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So five days after Grace was born, I woke up and I changed her and I fed her a bottle and I sat down on the couch and she just slept on me. I long for these days, friends, but it just happened. And the world was so big and so small, and I was so tired and so mystified and so scared by this tiny person. And so while she slept on my chest, I called my father. And bless his heart, he picked up. I think it must have been 7 o'clock in the morning. And all I could think to say was, It is a miracle that any of us survive. 
thank you. And he laughed, and he agreed that it was a miracle too. And he said he didn't really remember it all too closely, but he was glad to hear my voice just then. And there was something that was reassuring there somehow between the two of us. In the first light of day, at least as far as our Bible stories are concerned, Mary and Joseph and the baby arrive kind of blinking and uncertain. Shepherd shocked and angel hounded, poor enough that they have to offer the alternative sacrifice for people who don't have enough money for the actual sacrifice according to the law. But even if you've never parented, you probably have some sort of major life transition that really only after it's occurred did you understand how one way it was that kept you up nights to a level that started to change your cognition itself. You know, you just fail to sleep that long. Things get wild. Something that was thrilling and frightening. Take away the Messiah stuff. I know that's a lot of the stuff, but the sudden responsibility for a whole human person, by the way, is a shock to the system. It is a beginning so huge that it can paralyze and terrify us. And so the special blessing of this day in the life of new beginnings and new life comes in the form of elders. Companions on the way we never really quite saw until we needed them. The Irish poet and philosopher John O'Donohue said, Beginnings often frighten us because they seem like lonely voyages into the unknown. Yet in truth, no beginning is empty or isolated. We seem to think that beginning is setting out from a lonely point along some line of direction into the unknown. This is not the case. Shelter and energy come alive when a beginning is embraced. We are never as alone in our beginnings as it might seem at the time. A beginning is ultimately an invitation to open toward the gifts and growth that are stored up for us. To refuse to begin can be an act of great self-neglect. Our very life here depends directly on the continuous act of beginning. We are never as alone in our beginnings as it might seem. I like that. And so Simeon and Anna, wise elders, arrive just when they are feeling alone. Simeon, I'm going to say I hope that he asked permission first, holds the baby. And many of us know what it's like when someone finally comes and holds the baby. You're like, oh, someone else can hold them? (laughs) Especially at this stage of their lives, Maybe Simeon would be considered a wise elder, but I also want to speak up for how bold it is that Anna is here. Anna, as a long-term widow, would have lived precariously on the edge of life. That's why Jesus is always teaching care for the widow and orphan because there was a lack of care for the widow and orphan. And so that Anna has lived to the age of 84 is no small feat. And here, her story and the story of Simeon come to give blessings to these frightening or just, you know, nerve-wracking new beginnings. 
And Simeon and Anna complete a musical set today, a whole day and actually a whole life. So I mentioned through the various services of Advent that the Gospel of Luke seems to be musical theater as near as we can tell. Kind of begins with the song of Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, as John was presented. He sings what we now call the Benedictus, which is associated with mourning all the time. Then the angel Gabriel from heaven came and sang some of the words that we now call the Angelus prayer. We accept our callings in the midday. Mary sang her Magnificat of Jesus' coming and the upturning of all the world, almost always sung in the evening. And today, Simeon sings, Now you are dismissing your servant in peace, or as we now call it, Nunc Dimittis, sung at Compline before bedtime. It is a song for elders. It is a song for the later hours of the day and of life. It's a song of deep faith and perseverance, faith that has been rewarded by taking the long view, the long way home, and has not been disappointed. And he tells the truth of God's fulfillment with joy. And he also tells the truth of loving with compassion. To love God, to love Jesus, to love just about anybody will mean that his parents or your heart will be pierced. That's just part of life. Such it is with love. I think when you are in that unfamiliar territory of love and terror, it is a gift of wisdom for folks to arrive and tell you you're not imagining it, that it is hard, that it will be hard, but you are not alone. It is a miracle that any of us make it through, and yet we do make it through the glory of God with us and elders with us and children with us and the compassion and grace of God that flow through all those folks. But what love it is, because I just want to just flag one little note here in what Simeon says. The child is destined for the falling and rising of many. If you think about those words and how they are usually ordered, what do we usually talk about? When we talk about the history of the Roman Empire, we talk about the rise and the fall. Any good biopic, probably going to talk about the rise and the fall. The rise and the fall of all sorts of things. And all of a sudden, here comes this child, and he is destined for the falling and the rising. That is different. And that is an invitation to all of us, particularly as we hit the later stages. There is a birthday coming. This is getting grayer. Some things are falling. But there will yet be more rising. Anna, the prophet, also sings. But sadly, her song is lost to us. And I want to know what she had to say because whatever it was brought comfort and joy to the parents of this child and to all who heard and saw her. So we knew it had to be some sort of a song. Given all the specificity of the songs that the characters in Luke sing, 
I guess that there's one way to read it. If we don't know exactly what she sang, then it must be that Anna sang, well, everything else. All the other songs, all Christmas carols are Anna's song. The lullabies that blessed you and kept you and taught you the faith are Anna's song. The songs that comforted your children when nothing else could, Anna's song. She sings that even as we wonder as we wander, we will see God alive in royal David city through his own redeeming love. For he that seems so helpless lives and reigns in heaven above. She sings that love came down at Christmas, but we should go up and tell it on the mountain. She sings that we should rejoice, for Christ calls us one and all to gain his everlasting hall. For on a midnight clear, peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling. And the whole world send back the song which now the angels sing. And she sings that in the bleak midwinter, if you do not know what to give him, give your heart. And as elders, we know now, now we need not fear the grave Jesus Christ was born to save. Anna carries for us the blessing of people who have gone before, who love and believe in us, and who are also, you know, amazed by us too. It's good. Who have known tragic endings and hopeful beginnings and who can encourage us along the way. There will be falling, but rising will be the end of the story. The falling feels hard. And John O'Donohue said, when something is ending, we can notice, actually, we can discover within it the spore of a new beginning. And a whole new train of possibility is in motion before we even realize it. When the heart is ready for a fresh beginning, unforeseen things can emerge. And in a sense, that is exactly what a beginning does. It is an opening for surprises. Surrounding the intention and the act of beginning, there are always possibilities. Part of the art of living wisely is to learn to recognize and attend to such profound openings in one's life. So if you are an Anna or a Simeon, if you have seen some falling please be sure to share the rising with those who are coming after us. Thank you for the gift of all of you who spend time with the next generation. Thank you for singing and for teaching us the words. May we all, from generation to generation, grow in wisdom, and may the favor of God be upon us. Amen.